Hey everyone, welcome back to Vanessa on Films. Uh, this is episode 23. I'm Vanessa, obviously, and this is just a podcast where we discuss film, TV news, etc. Um, don't think there's going to be as much background noise in this episode, but, um, you know, if there is, there is, right? Um, yeah, so I, I don't know, I, I've been, um, I've been writing about film a lot recently, uh, not many updates to sorry not many updates to it and uh or like regarding you know if i want to like release the 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 essays or whatever that i'm writing to other places but you know either way i'm still writing about film and um yeah i mean i've been interested in starting a sub stack but i i don't know like i do think that i'm much better at writing than i am speaking and this podcast has been really really fun and I enjoy doing it and I like hearing what people have to say about it because I know that a lot of like my friends listen to it and stuff like that but I I don't know like I I think it is a lot harder for me to formulate my thoughts in a on a or I should say on a platform like this regarding you know like collecting news and then uh, deciding what I want to say about it but if I if I have a platform where I can write and you know I think I'll go in to things or into topics in a little bit more yeah like with a little bit more depth I think I think that's like more fitting to me and maybe if I have a specific focus for the posts that I release on Substack I don't know I'm thinking about it it'll probably happen eventually I don't necessarily know if I'm gonna be you know continuing with um the podcast and the sub stack I'd probably have to choose one but you know I'm not going to delete the podcast I'll definitely still keep it up if I do decide to go for a more written approach to this um it'll definitely be a little bit different but I think I would still focus on like news and like my opinion on pop culture and stuff like that but as for right now I'm probably going to stick with this throughout December and yeah I'm just excited to continue with it Again, I'm not going to be editing this episode, so sorry for, you know, anything. <laughs> My opening rant, um, I don't know, it, it is a little bit, like, upsetting and probably a little bit, like, deeper than I usually get on this, uh, on this show, but I don't, I just feel, it feels very frustrating to me to, like, a lot of people, like, ask me, why or or how do I say this yeah like I mean a lot of people ask me like why I don't want to get into the film industry and like I think one reason is that I'm much better at just analyzing film and discussing it and you know being appreciator of film than I am of you know an actual filmmaker I've created some really bad short films in my time you know I was also like a teenager when I did them but still, like, they were pretty bad, and I don't think I will ever be good at filmmaking. I don't even think I'm very good at writing scripts, and so, like, that's one of the reasons I'm never going to be in the film industry. I'm not really good enough, and, like, I don't have connections, so, like, even if I did have connections and I'm still not good enough, like, I still wouldn't be able to, like, work in the industry, but I think one of the biggest reasons for me is that I don't necessarily like how it operates as an institution if we are looking at it from the perspective of it being an institution with, you know, like, power and uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the way it works. And I know a lot of people are probably thinking that I'm talking about Hollywood, but like, I'm not even talking about Hollywood. I'm thinking of even like a local film industry. Like, I don't necessarily like the way that power is distributed. And I know there are a lot of like strides you know people like are making a lot of strides towards making it more inclusive and making it so that people feel safer but I just don't think that it will ever be what I think it should be within my lifetime so I probably will never work in the film industry and honestly like I think that's what I wanted to speak about a little bit regarding the opening rant quote-unquote portion of this episode because you know we've been seeing a lot recently regarding the censorship that a lot of actors and people within let's turn it back to Hollywood this time within Hollywood are going through right now 
regarding, you know, literally just like the genocide of Palestinian people and the way they're being told either not to say anything or they have to do a both sides. A both I, I call it both sidesism. It's really hard to see, but like <laughs> that's kind of like what they're being told to pursue when they are giving a statement regarding, you know, what is happening. And I just don't I don't know. I, I literally wrote down in my notes we need to reboot Hollywood and like I was kind of being like a little not necessarily facetious because I do think that it needs to have a really big overhaul but I understand that it isn't necessarily just like I don't necessarily know if rebooting it or again overhauling it will change anything um, because then it would still be this sort of same thing and I think one of the biggest like strifes or is that a word? Let's look that up actually in real time because I don't feel like editing strifes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it is it is a word. Um I think one of the biggest like you know strifes and like the biggest like conflict that I have regarding Hollywood is that it likes to decide or it, it likes to suggest that it is this very like liberal, inclusive, welcoming, diverse place which I don't, I don't know. It is a very diverse place. I think it is. It's just, it, again, likes to suggest that this, like, notion of, like, um, recognition, it likes to pull off and suggest that it is, it is this place where, you know, I guess everyone is welcome and, or, I should say everyone is welcome if you're liberal and like everyone's happy together like that kind of like liberal idea is what Hollywood likes to suggest that it subscribes to but it really is not a left-leaning place at all it <laughs> it still very much is a very conservative place and I feel like I haven't even gotten to the point of what I wanted to talk about, but I think that it'll, it'll lead into the news. And um, I guess I, it's just like crazy to me to see like the fact that McCarthyism is still, I mean, it, it never left, but within Hollywood, it's kind of making a really big comeback. Like McCarthyism is so back. And I wish I could name the episode that, but I don't want to like attract people that shouldn't be listening to this <laughs> to the pod but yeah like I it's just like crazy how like that kind of instilling fear in people still exists within Hollywood and I I just like don't know what else to say besides that it's very frustrating and I feel like it really just solidifies the facts that the fact that like I most likely will never work in the industry and even if I do like I don't I feel like it would have to be very much like, I would have to be controlling what I'm working on, and I don't necessarily think that's ever going to happen, because I just don't think it is a very, I don't think it's a place where I would feel ever comfortable, or I don't necessarily think I would be able to fit in to the industry specifically, because I don't necessarily think I would be given work because of my values and, like, beliefs, and I feel like that's kind of just, it's a little ironic considering I love film and television so much, but the industry that, like, I guess it comes from is just the opposite of what I love and, like, the opposite of what I support. Um, but I guess this is a good time to start talking about, like, the actual news and why I've just been thinking about this a lot recently. And I feel like everyone has heard this. Uh, it's actually, I don't even know when it was announced, but it was announced that Melissa Barrera was fired from Scream 7 just because she literally said like what ha is happening in palestine is bad and uh yeah she was just being vocal and like supporting palestinian people and i, I think i think what she did in her post um was i don't know i think she provided really good context and she spoke about how like she is from a colonized country uh, she's mexican and i think i, I think people are like I guess just disregarding like her her 
I don't even know how to say it, but like they're just like disregarding like that context that she provided in her posts and a lot of the reason that like people or I shouldn't say people uh, like a reason why she was fired is because she was vocal in support of it, but Spyglass and you know like all the other production companies etc that are responsible for the making of Scream 7, they basically said, well no. They're twisting it and they're saying that she was being anti-Semitic in her posts regarding like her support of Palestine and that's literally not what happened. If you look back at everything that she posted on her story, that's literally not what happened. That's not that's not what she said. She even posted something on her story about how like, um, I believe this is actually the post that kind of got her fired, but she just said that like Western media was really biased and was hiding a lot of posts and yeah just like news stories that were coming from Palestinian people and like what was actually happening in Palestine and they kind of just took that as her being anti-semitic and ran with it even though that's literally like not what happened at all and it's just like so odd to me that this is I guess that this is allowed to happen I mean it's odd in the sense that like I don't know like, I understand why it's happening because, again, like, Hollywood is very, like, not liberal at all, even though they like to pretend to be. But, like, it's just, I just don't understand it. It's kind of, like, one of those things where it's, like, you understand why it's happening, like, from a systemic point of view, but, like, you still, it still, like, just, like, mind boggles you. And that's kind of, like, what I feel about this. And um, she later posted after she was fired, she posted like a really nice like uh thing on her story and she said silence is not an option for me and you know like I it sucks that like this young this younger actress is kind of going through this and you know I just hope that she gets the support she needs from like her peers and stuff like that and I don't know like personally I would not want to work on the set of that film and I don't know it just kind of sucks that like her co-stars aren't really dropping out and you know in solidarity with her but whatever um it was also like announced that like Jenna Ortega is not returning for Scream 7 but I don't necessarily think that was her dropping out like again this isn't confirmed but I'm pretty sure it just has to do with like scheduling conflicts and so she wasn't going to return for a while now like I think this has been known but a lot of people were like oh no she's doing it in solidarity which I don't think that's the truth again like it's not confirmed but anyways um I I think Melissa's gonna have like a good career though like I I hope that people and she'll she'll be remembered on like the right side of history you know like I think people will really recognize her bravery and like what she did was really important it just it sucks that this has to happen to her but like at least she can you know sleep at night knowing that she has like morals and not many people in Hollywood can say that. And also, I mean, like, kind of just, like, connecting this. Um, yeah, uh, Susan Sarandon was also dropped from her agency, I believe. I think it was her agency. And I don't know, that's just kind of, like, funny to me because Susan Sarandon has also been, like, very vocally left-wing her entire career. And so it's just weird that, like, now this is what's getting her fired or, like, dropped by whatever. It just, it literally makes me feel insane. I just don't know how else to explain it besides the fact that it makes me feel insane. And uh, anyways, let's, let's move on to some other news, I guess. Um, yeah, this is actually, I really like films that, I don't know, I think this is going to be sort of like this film that takes place in one spot and I'm really really excited for that so it's a film based on Hans Christian Andersen's visit to Charles Dickens house this actually sort of led to the destruction of their friendship and this film is in the works uh, the visit was actually intended to only last two weeks but it actually stretched to five weeks due to the whatever conversations that they had arguments they had etc but it did lead lead to the destruction of their friendship so obviously you know something had to happen there um i mean i i think also 
um, it's said that Dickens was kind of like too polite to ask Hans Christian Andersen to leave. <laughs> so that also stretched and like prolonged the trip. But anyway, something just fell. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I think the film is being written by Henry Fowler and producers Phil Ward and Chris Miller. I'm gonna look up who Henry Fowler is right now because unfortunately I didn't have time to do that earlier. Um, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, he's written, oh. <laughs> uh, he's written like a 2019 version of First Wives Club, like a TV show, and he's written on real time with Bill Maher, which that's interesting. And I think he's written on Grownish as well. So that's a pretty interesting crop of, you know, TV shows to be on or like to have written for. And um, yeah, as for Phil Lord and Chris Miller, I think people know them for their comedies. They did like they've directed i think the hold on hold on yeah they're like a com comedy people as well they've written and directed cloudy with a chance of meatballs the lego movie um 21 jump street 22 jump street and they worked on like the spider-verse franchise which i feel like those are their most you know um prominent or well-received projects and so, I don't know, I'm just thinking of it, and you have a lot of, like, people who are really rooted in comedy regarding their writing, so I'm interested to see what approach they take to this story, and if um, it is going to have, like, an air of comedy to it. I don't necessarily think it's going to be, like, a straight drama, just because, again, the people that are working on it, but I'm interested to see where they take the story and how they can adapt something of, like, you know, this, like, five-week-long visit and how they can yeah i guess uh turn it into something a little bit more or like i guess how do i say this i guess like bring comedy to it um even though i'm sure it was very comedic in real life as well but um yeah i don't I i'm also thinking of who they're gonna cast as, as the two writers and i think that is gonna be a very interesting I'm excited to see, like, who is announced because they're gonna have to get, like, some really, like, vibrant people to play these people, and uh, I'm excited about that casting news, for sure. I'm actually gonna move on to some news about, you know, distribution rights, and what's interesting is that I thought this film was coming out this year, but it was confirmed to kind of get, like, moved off of Disney's release calendar. They just like took it off the release calendar and then people were like, oh, it's probably being shopped around to different studios, which kind of sucks when you think of it, like that this is something that can happen. Um, but anyways, yeah, let's talk about some distribution news. So Focus Features has officially acquired the distribution rights to the bike riders. So I've talked about this film actually quite frequently on this show, uh, just because there's been quite a bit of news about it. But yeah, um, Disney took it off its release schedule. Focus Features recently just acquired the distribution rights. And yeah, it's probably going to be released in 2024. Yeah, so I don't necessarily think that there's a set date yet, but a theatrical release is planned for next year. I don't I swear this was a searchlight picture, so doesn't Disney technically still own it? Yeah, but I guess, like, as for distribution rights, Focus Features is responsible for that as well. This stars Austin Butler, Tom Hardy, Jodie Comer. Really great cast. It is by, um, oh my god, why am I forgetting his name? Jeff. Jeff. His name is Je Jeff Nichols. Jeff Nichols. There it is. Yeah, I... I remembered his name before I looked it up. But anyways, yeah, so Jeff Nichols. Um, Jeff Nichols has created some really great movies. And I really, really love um, Take Shelter. Like, that film, I don't know, it kind of creeped me out. But in a way, it's like, oh. It's like a, it's like the, it's only, it was kind of scary. Like, there were scary moments to it. But I think it's more of like, 
I think it's scary in the fact that it made me think. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyways, the bike riders, I thought it was going to be coming out next year and I was excited to watch it. I mean, sorry, this year and I was excited to watch it, but unfortunately that's not the case. But anyways, 2024, um, look out for the bike riders. Let's move on to some news about a film that, um, I feel like has been sort of, or at least like news about it has been sort of floating around and I guess we just got like official casting confirmation and yeah, we got some like official news about it. So Nicole Kidman, Antonio Banderas, Sophie Wilde, and her, wait, Sorry, I thought I missed the name there. Anyways, Sophie Wilde and Harris Dickinson, they are going to start in A24's upcoming erotic thriller, and it's called Baby Girl. Um, what's interesting about this is that it is directed by Bodies, Bodies, Bodies filmmaker Helena Rain. And I don't know, I really love Bodies, 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 so like I'm tuning into anything she does from now on. Um, yeah, so I think, I think I've probably, no, I don't think I've mentioned this yeah, I don't think I've, like, mentioned this movie or whatever project on the, uh, show, uh, on the show before, but, yeah, um, so it's, like, officially confirmed, uh, the casting, at least, is officially confirmed and the director, and what it's about is that it follows a powerful and in-control CEO. This is like the official like synopsis, but anyways. So the CEO is played by Nicole Kidman, and then she begins an affair with an intern who is played by Harris Dickinson. And yeah, I I think I think one, Harris Dickinson has a really, really great career. He's like so young and he he has some like really, really cool projects. You know, he was in Scrapper He's in the Iron Claw, which is coming up, and he's, like, kind of, like, gaining momentum regarding just, like, the projects that he's taken and and taking, I should say, as well. And he's kind of, like, garnered, like, sort of a little bit of a following, um, at least on, like, film Twitter. And, yeah, I think he's just really great in the stuff that I've seen him in. And, you know, he was also in, like, Triangle of Sadness. Um, so he has, like, sort of yeah, just like a really great collection of films so far. As for Nicole Kidman, I mean, I think it's cool that she's in an A24 production, obviously, but I think Nicole Kidman, I've spoken about her like a million times um, on like so many different projects just because she's so chronically employed. <laughs> she's just like always in a project, always working, always being cast in something. And I don't know, I think good for her. She's like, you know, one of the best to ever do it. So why not? Um, and I think just like the erotic thriller is like such a great genre that we need more of. And so I'm excited to see someone like Helena, like, you know, take over like a project like this. Um, I also, I mean, this sort of connects the news but not really it's just more about Nicole Kidman so like I actually had no idea that Baz Luhrmann was looking to extend Australia because that movie's already so fucking long but yeah it's also he, he basically like extended it added a bunch to it and um yeah I mean like I'm sure there was like deleted scenes and stuff so he 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 basically like put it together and then made a mini-series, which is actually streaming now. Um, yeah, so the mini-series, it's literally just Australia. They just, like, changed the name to, I think it's called, like, Far Away Downs. And, um, yeah, it just tells a story, but it's a little bit longer now. And I, I don't, I don't know why they would do that. I guess he just, like, had a bunch of extra stuff and he wanted to sort of, quote-unquote, like, complete the story in a way that he wanted to. But I just, like, opened up, I think it was Disney yesterday, and I saw it, and I'm like, what? And I just, it just, like, completely went over my head that this was something that was happening. And so, anyways, I didn't even write notes on that. It was just something that I remembered. I'm like, wait, I should probably mention it. Anyways, uh, Baby Girl by Helena Rain. This is an upcoming film, and it stars Nicole Kidman and Harris Dickinson. I... Hmm. 
this next news is actually very exciting because I really love the premise and what the film is probably gonna, you know, look like or whatever. Um, so any, Brendan Fraser, um, any? Anyways, I'm gonna say, Brendan Fraser is actually set to star in a new film. The film is going to be directed by Hikari, and, uh, yeah, she's directed some episodes of Beef, um, which is... I think it came out, yeah, it came out this year, it's a show on Netflix, and yeah, so he set the star on her newest film called Rento Family, I believe it's a comedy and I believe it's being produced by Searchlight, um, and yeah, so it follows Brendan Fraser's character, who is an actor living in Tokyo, and he is hired as the quote-unquote, like, token American in, you know, a Japanese rental family, um, so yeah, he just, like, works for this, like, I guess, like, rental family company, and since he's an actor, he is the token American, and this essentially leads him on a journey of self-discovery, basically through the roles that he plays in these people's lives. So, obviously, you know, he has to adapt a lot to whatever these people need him to be regarding this rental family, and yeah, I think it's gonna be an interesting look at identity and I'm, I, I like the fact that it's being branded as a comedy right now. That's sort of what it's being described as. And so I'm really excited to see, you know, Brendan Fraser kind of have a more comedic role. And um, again, like, I think, I think Hikari being like at the forefront of this film is also really interesting. And I'm really interested in anything that has to do with like self-discovery, identity. And so, Yeah. I think it's also really interesting that they're making it play like the sort of like token American regarding this like rental family company. Um, and also like the concept of renting a family is really, really just funny on its own. Um, so yeah. Let's move on to some franchise news. I try my best not to talk about franchises just because they're annoying. But um, yeah, I guess we'll talk about it anyways because... I need to update you guys, but anyways, allegedly there is a new Jason Bourne film that is in the works, and I've heard that, I mean, I think the reason I wanted to talk about this is because of the people that are attached to it, and so allegedly Matt Damon is, you know, I guess being approached to return, because I don't know, like, it's just, they try to do, like, Jason Bourne without Matt Damon and I don't know necessarily know if it worked so yeah I'm just thinking about it in that respect um he is being you know asked to come back to the franchise but anyways there's a new Jason Bourne film in the works it's gonna happen at Universal or it's being in the works at Universal I should say and why I think I wanted to talk about this is because of I mean, as mentioned, the person who is in talks to direct it. Edward Berger, if you're unfamiliar, he directed All Quiet on the Western Front, the film from last year, which won a billion Oscars. And so I think he has a real knack for direction when it comes to action sequences and when it comes to, I guess, like dynamic shots, because that was a film that won so many technical awards at the Oscars last year. So I think bringing someone like him onto this franchise is really going to just like revitalize it and bring like a freshness to it. I I mean, I do sort of worry about, you know, European directors and people who haven't really worked with in Hollywood coming into Hollywood and you know, have to be assigned or, like, attached to these franchises because that's sort of, like, the only options they have. But nonetheless, like, I think it is still a really interesting choice and it is a very good choice. So if they want to con continue with the franchise, like, at least bring someone who is going to do something cool with it. And I think Edward Berger is probably going to do that. I guess we can, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, um, I don't know why I said, I guess we can, we're going to do it anyways, but anyways, um, yeah, so Odessa Young is to star alongside Jacob Elordi, 
this is going to be a TV adaptation for Prime Video. And so yeah, it's a TV adaptation of The Narrow Road to the Deep North. And it follows Jacob O'Lordy, who is an Australian army surgeon who has sort of this like love affair with his uncle's young wife who is being played by Odessa Young. And yeah, so it just like follows that, follows their relationship and their affair. And it's sort of about how it affects him and how it sustains him, how it helps him, how it haunts him through his life. And I, I'm i actually like unfamiliar with the, the uh, I guess like the source material. Yeah, so I, I, I guess I should say I was unfamiliar with it. Um, but it actually won a bunch of prizes. And yeah, so um, I guess it just like recounts this this man's life. Uh, Jacob Bovardi is going to be playing the lead. And um, the book also focuses on his experiences as sort of this like prisoner of war laborer who had to build uh, the Burma Railroad or yeah, Railroad, I should say railway not railroad anyways um so yeah like his experiences as sort of like a prisoner of war um and i i i mean i don't know how i feel about it being adapted by amazon but nonetheless i think the reason i also wanted to talk about this is because jacob lordy has just been taking a lot of great projects recently and he's very He's very, like, precise and intentional in what he decides to do, um, even if it is just, like, a small supporting role. Like, he he really knows what he wants now that he has, I guess, the opportunity to be a little bit more specific with his career. Um, you know, I don't think he's ever going to do something like The Kissing Booth again. Obviously not. But, like, I don't know. The fact that he said yes to this kind of, like, gives me hope because he is pretty good with, you know, noticing or accepting roles that are a little bit more yeah just just like very strong and um I, I i guess like nuanced and layered and i think that's what's also making me a little bit more hopeful for this project i guess yeah let's let's talk about the scott pilgrim anime unfortunately i have not watched it yet and I know people are going to be very upset at me for that, but uh, I just like, I'm like catching up on other things. I'm, I started Under the Banner of Heaven, which I feel like I honestly just like wanted to watch it because Andrew Garfield and, and, um, and Daisy Edgar Jones were the leads in it. And so like that immediately like piqued my interest and, you know, I'm watching it for them, but I am very interested also in like, again, anything that has to do with religion. So I am tuning in for that as well, and so that's what I've been focusing on right now, trying to finish that. Um, so yeah, as for the Scott Pilgrim anime, I, I feel like a lot of people really, really love it. Um, they like the style and the fact that it feels more, it feels like a comic, basically. That's why people really like it. But yeah, so Brian O'Malley, who, you know, worked on the comics, oh, sorry, worked on the comics and worked on the anime, he says that it most likely won't get a season two, which I feel like is the best case scenario. Like, I think just wrapping up storyline in something like this, at least with one season, is the best that thing that can happen. And, you know, he said something along the lines of people are always complaining about how shows get canceled after one season. So they decided to try to make it into this like self-contained one season story and again i think more i don't know i feel like there that's like a double-edged sword because if it's like successful and enough and you kind of make it this like one season storyline and then you create a season two because of how successful it is but that season one wraps up so nicely like why would you want to continue it when you're happy with the ending of season one but at the same time a lot of people you know plan for quote-unquote like a se not even quote-unquote like a lot of movies plan for sequels or like season one's planned for season two and they sort of end with cliffhangers and then if they get canceled that's sort of like well what do we do now it's kind of this unfinished story and so, I don't know, I, I think it is pretty great that 
they decided to only make it this one season thing, but who knows? Like, who knows what's going to happen? They might end up, they might end up making it a, a, a second season. I think it is successful enough to have a second season, but at the same time, it's like, no, we don't need that. Just keep it as season one. And I think that's most likely what is going to happen. Yeah, I think this is the last piece of news I have before I'm going to start talking about a film I want to talk about and some movies that are going to be in theaters this weekend, which we really or One's going to be on streaming, one's going to be in theaters, and you should check them out. But I'm going to end with some news about Tron Aries, which I'm going to be less excited for a film. Okay, I lied. I lied. I like some of the cast, so that's kind of making me, like... I guess I anticipate the film a little bit, but Tron Aries, we got confirmation that it's going to film after holidays, so after Christmas, after Thanksgiving, or American Thanksgiving, you know, they're going to, you know, really set down and, like, set or settle down, I should say, and start filming. So this film stars Jared Leto, Evan Peters, Greta Lee, Jodie Turner-Smith, and Cameron Monag Monaghan. Monaghan. Yeah, Cameron Monaghan. <laughs> um, uh, I was like, wait, I am I reading that right? No, it's it's him um yeah so they're gonna film after the holidays and tron aries is i guess like i don't even know if it's reboot but it it's set in the tron world and i i think i think one of the reasons why i'm like kind of okay with this film is that greta v is in it and i'm excited to see what she does after past lives just because i think that film is really going to open up a lot of avenues for her in her career and I think Past Lives is just such a great film. It was just such a great starring role for her and I'm excited again to see what happens after that. I don't know. I think here, here's the thing. The old the, I shouldn't say the first Tron movie, but like Tron Legacy. Yeah, like Tron Legacy was kind of like this there's two sides to it. A lot of this a lot of like the lighting and the effects and the tech Nicole aspects of the film were really well received and I think there was a lot of it like I feel, uh, I don't know again like I think I mentioned this in an older episode there's sort of like this like a lot of what that film did was influential to a lot of like tech in film in later years but there was also like the CG Jeff Bridges that just looked awful and it was so bad. So there was like these two things to it where it was like a lot of tech was good and a lot of tech wasn't. And so I often think of that when I'm thinking of like potential Tron films. I don't know why Jared Leto is a thing. I don't know why he's the lead in this film. But anyways, um, yeah, Tron Aries is going to be filming after the holidays. We've reached the point of the episode where I discuss a film that I want to discuss or, you know, something that I love, something I hate, something I just want to shout out. Uh, it could be like an element of the film or a TV show. It could be the whole thing. And honestly, I, I, I really love this film, And but I think it's like a film that I will never watch again. You know, I feel like a lot of people have those. It's like their favorite film, but it's like, I'm never going to watch this again it's so good. I love it, but it's so heartbreaking or like, it's just like too difficult for me to watch. So I don't think I will ever revisit it. Um, and again, it is like sort of, uh, I don't think so it's not like set in stone, but it's kind of like you sort of avoid it type of thing. And yeah, I, I really, really love this film. And it's kind of like heartbreaking once you realize where the film gets its title from. But yeah, let's just get into it. I'm going to be talking about Never Rarely sometimes always um I might not have a lot to say about it just because I feel like the film is one that really just speaks for itself but anyways it was uh directed and written by Eliza Hitman and it stars Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder and yeah it follows a pair of teenage girls in rural Pennsylvania they have to travel to New York City to seek out medical help after an unintended pregnancy so due to abortion laws in Pennsylvania, they have to, you know, uh, yeah, literally just like go to a different state in order to have the abortion completed. Um, so Sydney Flanagan, they're the lead in the film and they're the ones, they're the one who like, um, yeah, they're, they're the lead in the film and uh, their character has to 
go to a I guess I, I guess we should say it's I don't want to call it a road trip film but it is sort of this film where it's like you have to follow these people on a journey um and what I mean by that is like both like an emotional journey but also like a physical journey um it really is about place and there is an emphasis on place and I feel like that's only emphasized by again like the idea of these laws in place uh, for lack of a better word and how you know it requires people to literally move or go from one place to another in order to have this procedure completed and uh, it, it is heartbreaking when you just think of it from that perspective but I think I want to speak about the title specifically there's there's a scene in the film where um I, I'm probably like remembering this incorrectly but yeah I guess like um before she, before she has like um the procedure done the abortion she has to obviously answer some medical questions and one of the questions is a little or uh, I guess like a, a couple of the questions um have to do with abuse and you know like what she has dealt with in her life um and I guess like various experiences she's had like sexually I think that's that's uh, I think that's like those are just like some of the questions that she has to answer and there's the reason the movie is called what it is is because when she's answering those questions she has to either choose never rarely sometimes always regarding the frequency of how often she's experienced those types of things um that she's being asked um and it's just it was just such a hard scene to watch and have to I guess it was just, like, hard to watch, but, like, Sidney Flanagan was just, they're just, like, such a good actor that, like, you can kind of, like, feel like you're in the room and as though you're, like, watching this, this young teenager have to answer these questions and it was just, I feel like that just made it really hard for me to watch the scene but it is a film that I think everyone should watch um yeah I think interestingly enough I think in my letterbox review I wrote this is a film that everyone needs to see and yeah I guess I guess it really just is about it it, it made me like think a lot specifically that scene and how it, this film isn't necessarily just about one thing um and it, it is like a film that I think you need to approach with caution because of the subject matter but I do think it is a film that is really also educational and it is a film that I believe people need to see and there are I don't think a lot of a lot of the times people think of films that you need to watch before you die and like it's always something it's always concerning like the technical aspect of film which of course that is important and I understand there are quote-unquote classics that I think everyone should experience just because of how well made they are and how beautiful they are but I think there's also films that they are both technically brilliant and also socially and politically and culturally important that I think people just need to watch um there are a couple of those that are contemporary examples of that and I think never rarely sometimes always is definitely one of those that people need to watch um I also think something like The Assistant by Kitty Green is also up there as well and I mean I, I like the film um I don't necessarily think I'd ever watch it again also for similar reasons, but it, it, it 
it is also something that I would consider like a film that people need to watch. And this isn't necessarily me saying like, oh, you need to watch these films in order to learn empathy. That's not at all what I'm saying, but I think it is important to see these stories told and to watch them, even if they are in a, fish in, in a fictionalized manner, just to like, I guess like, see these films and um, I guess like experience other realities. And even if you are experiencing something similar in real life, just being able to like, I guess see it being put to screen is also really good for viewers as well. Anyways, I, I highly recommend it and in again, like approach it with caution and like you can read IMDB if you want to like see some of the trigger warnings or whatever and I think it, it's just important to like take care of yourself when you are watching a film similar to this but it is such an important film and I'm really glad that it sort of came out when it did um, and yeah. I, I think I want to end it on that note. I guess we can move on to the portion of the episode where I discuss some films that are going to be releasing this weekend and what you should check out and support. So I'm going to talk about two films because there are two really great films that are out in theaters or one's in theaters again. I keep messing up and one's going to be on streaming, which um, whatever. Um, so Renaissance. This is the concert film, or I should say it's Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. So this is the concert film um, by Beyonce. So it's distributed by AMC Theatres, similar to what happened with Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift's, sorry, concert film. Um, and I think it's really cool that theater chains can distribute films instead of having people rely on like production or like distribution from other sorts of companies but anyways yeah so this is the concert film and it's sort of like what's interesting about this is that it isn't necessarily just like a like a plain old concert film this is gonna there's gonna be some layers to this um I kind of want to clarify that I think I'm watching it opening day I'm not exactly sure but I think so um yeah so renaissance a film by Beyonce again it's sort of like an a, a combination of different things so it's going to be about the creation of renaissance which is beyonce's album from last year which i don't even know what to say about it it's just so good and i'm kind of upset that it didn't win album of the year but we move we move um so this is of course again it's her seventh studio album there's going to be a visual album associated with it. So Beyonce is famous for her visual albums, of course. And so there's going to sort of be like elements of that in there. And there's also going to be recorded footage from the Renaissance World Tour um, that, you know, broke a million records um, and sort of like the development of the tour as well, because I think a lot of people are really interested in Beyonce's sort of, um, I guess her her creation process and her creative process is really what a lot of people are interested in and so again it's like a combination of these three four different things into this film and it's going to be in theaters this weekend and we should go check it out and as someone who unfortunately missed the tour i'm excited that i have this option at least i'm this is like one of my most anticipated films, um, but I'm excited that I'm able to see it. I was going to go watch it in theaters because it actually is playing in theaters right now. Um, I think a lot of theaters are playing it in 35 millimeter. So yeah, uh, it's in theaters if you actually want to check it out like early, I guess. But May, December, it's going to be streaming on Netflix on December 1st. So this Friday. Yeah, so it's going to be basically on Netflix this weekend. It is directed by Todd Haynes. It is a screenplay by Sammy Birch and it's based on a story by Sammy Birch and Alex Mecha Mechanic Mechanic I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that last name I'm sorry I think it's Mechanic I think I think it would be Mechanic but anyways um it's loosely inspired by a true story and I actually didn't know that it was loosely inspired by a true story I thought it was just sort of a I mean th this can like apply to I think multiple types of stories but 
I didn't know that they sort of took inspiration from the real story of, oh, I think my phone was ringing. Sorry about that. But anyways, yeah, so it's loosely inspired by the story of Mary Kay Letourneau. Um, so the film follows an actress played by Natalie Portman who travels to Georgia to meet and basically study who she's going to be playing in a film who is this woman who is played by Julianne Moore and the woman was kind of I guess let's just say she's infamous for her 20 year relationship with her husband played by Charles Melton who she first met when he was a minor um so again this is inspired by a true story but um I don't know like I'm I'm really excited to watch this because I'm I, I, I'm excited to see the layers here and like the nuance here but I've heard it's also really campy and it's being classified as a black comedy even though I don't think that's at all what it really is um there's elements of camp to it of course but I think it's just like weird how this is being classified as a comedy but anyways I'm excited to see the campiness of it and how Todd Haynes decided to like put that into this film because of course the subject matter like how do you approach that in a campy nature and also like i've heard that all the performances are really good portman head portman heads i think that's what we're called portman heads we are so back um um and yeah so i i'm i'm excited to just see like how how like um yeah how like natalie portman and julianne more like play off each other regarding this type of film and I don't know this weekend is huge for people who love women I guess um just like the fact that we got like a Beyonce film and then we got like a Natalie Portman Julianne Moore co-headliner let's call her co-headliner um yeah uh it's just I'm really excited to watch the film and see um see their performances and I've heard that Natalie Portman is like in unhinged in this so I'm excited for that as well. So title of ep, Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman co-headliner as if they're like touring together um but I don't know I think it's I think it's just so great that we can have a film like this where they are the leads um and I'm also excited to see Charles Melton's performance and I don't know just the fact that we got these two very different films releasing this weekend we should support them and i'm excited because i think the discourse surrounding the film is going to be incredible from people who like don't normally watch films who like happen to tune into it and incredible in quotes um but anyways i'm excited for it i'm super excited for the renaissance film and you know like where are the visuals we have them we're gonna get them and uh yeah i so much news i'm recording this on a monday unfortunately so i might miss a couple of things um but anyways yeah uh bye